Hello and welcome to Bottled Up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority. You're joined by myself, Sunny, and Mayank, close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform. The reason? Because we are not alone. Before we kick this conversation off, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again and buckle up for another great conversation. Boom, and we are live. So we no, we haven't officially introduced our guest Hugo. Sunny and I are going to have a bit of a conversation before we before uh, we bet. get into it. <laughs> you bet, exactly. Um, we we just a moment ago, Sunny and I we spoke with uh, Hugo uh, Hugo Tuvi. Um, he's a, a two time cancer survivor who's now um, utilizing his platform for into early prevention into testicular and bowel cancer. And yeah, we just had a conversation with him. Sunny, how'd you feel it? How'd you find it? Mate, it was awesome. Quite energetic, um, very calm. Um, I think probably, yeah. probably for me, like the biggest thing I took away from that is prevention is better than crisis. Um, I yeah. think it's opened up one of my favorite books and I've talked about it on the podcast before. I've <laughs> talked about it with you, uh, When Birth yep. Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. Such, um, you know, he kind of flips yeah. the relationship between being a doctor and a patient. And I think, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing I took away from this from Hugo is the fact that you don't want to look back at your life and think that you could have done more, especially with yep. cancer. And so I might actually just book myself into a skin check um, get myself checked out, make it a regular habit. Cause yeah, last thing mm. is looking back and being like, yeah, I wish I did more. Uh, how about you? Yeah. Mike? No, I, I think for me, it was like, he just spoke with like, I think you touched on it there as well. He spoke with like this positivity and calmness about his story. Whereas if I, if, if I had, you know, if I, if I even experienced a fraction of what he has, I'd be a nervous wreck. Mm. So no, I think just the way that he went and spoke about that and like, I guess the perspective that he got and his idea of perspective, it's not yeah. like it's his idea of perspective is not just, you know, comparing your experiences to other people, but his mm. idea of perspective was that comparing your own experiences to your own experiences, yeah. to what you've gone through, because yeah. as, as he mentioned, your experiences are unique to you. So I think that's something that, that is, that is like super important. I love yeah. that idea of the, of what he, what he's done. Um, and yeah, he's a super positive guy. Um, we, you know, we, we found out about him, um, on millionaire that he was on millionaire hot seat. Um, and I think that's where we kick off this conversation now. So <laughs> hope you guys enjoy and, um, yeah, over to Hugo Tuvi. Um, to kick things off, Hugo, um, a little, bo- a little birdie told us that you are actually a contestant on, um, the millionaire hot seat. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. I've got a question for you, maybe to sort of just kick things off, um, and hopefully it doesn't sort of bring back any sort of bad memories of, of your experience in <laughs> the show. Um, but uh, so the Red Wings are an ice hockey team from which U.S. city? Is it A. Philadelphia, B. Detroit, C. Pittsburgh, or D. Boston? Oh, I got no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what, what was C? C was uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I go Pittsburgh. <laughs> Okay, all right. So, no, unfortunately, mate, uh, it was actually Detroit. So oh, there many, I go. Many, Time's there you up. go. Yeah, sorry. So is, is, there, is there a reason we're sharing this story, mate? Yes, yes. There is a reason why I've asked such a random question. I, too, was also on Millionaire Hot Seat. And that's the one you got wrong. And that's the one that I got wrong. So, um, that's it. Well, mate, uh, at least it wasn't a, um, a spelling question. I got a spelling question wrong. And um, oh, no. my, dad's, my dad's always laughed at me that I don't read enough books. And... Um, I always said leading into it, as long as I don't get a spelling question wrong, and there I was, and I got a spelling question wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, oh no. Do you do you oh. remember? Do you remember your one, Hugo, at all? Or yeah, no, you, I was. You like completely carved it out of your memory. <laughs> nah, it was good. It was good fun. I happened to be in Melbourne um, for some other stuff, and um, I used to always watch the show when I was in hospital, and it was one of those things that um, I was a big fan every single um, day at the same time, and it. Um, was a little bonding thing the old man and me used to have watching this this show and he's extremely good yeah. at general knowledge and trivia and he would he used to be on sale of the century back in the day and got right to the end and he's just one of those gurus whereas i'm not really but yeah. i just love the show anyway so yeah. i um, thought i'd apply oh. and um didn't do too well but that's all right <laughs> yeah no i i am um, i also was a very big fan of the show and and I, like it always was whenever i used to watch the show i used to get every single question right you know i knew that question i knew that question <laughs> 
Um, but as soon as you you appear on the show with all the lights, I don't know if it's Eddie as well. Um, shout out to him if he's ever if he if, he's, if he decides to listen. <laughs> he's a big fan, big fan of this podcast. Oh, oh yeah, Eddie. Yeah, I mean Eddie go way back. I mean like he he tried helping me out for the for the uh, for the ten thousand dollar question. I was actually a uni student at the time in twenty sixteen. Um, so I just come out of uni. Oh, I just come out of yes. Yeah, so I just came out of high school. Um, you know, I was on the minimum wage, earning ten dollars an hour at uh, Domino's. So ten thousand dollars was quite a bit of money, as it is today for me as well. Um, and now you and now you always know who the Red Wings are. Yeah, now I know who the Red Wings are, which is which is um which is good. I, I remember um, that man in first year when we met, and you were like just this guy that like. Yeah, we had met for the first time. You went on a hot seat, <laughs> mate. You were the, you were talk of the town back then. Yeah, talk of the town, mate. Now, now I'm just a washed up loser. Um, <laughs> um, but, but, but how are you doing, Hugo? You know, how's everything? How's uh, how's life at the moment? You, I mean, we mentioned you had COVID uh, just last week. Have you recovered? How's everything going in your life? Yeah, look, um, things are okay. Things are okay. I've uh, yeah, did have COVID, so um, it knocked me around and my partner around a fair bit. I think. There's so many unknowns with COVID. You know, we're we're both triple vaxxed. Um, we've avoided up until now. Um, you know, you could say my immune system probably isn't as good as the average person. So I was, yep. thought it may have knocked me around a bit. It did. My partner also got quite crook. Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't fun. And unfortunately, my health in general um, pre-COVID isn't great at the moment. I've um, just got a few things going with my gut, unfortunately. So I'm on some new treatment. Um, some steroid treatment and some combined antibiotic treatment and so that knocks you around in itself let alone the fact that I'm having it's because I'm not that well and then you throw COVID on top of that um, it's uh, yeah so I haven't been the best for, for the last couple of weeks been pretty crook but as I've um, unfortunately uh, experienced most of my adult life I've been pretty used to having waves and in uh, periods of my life <laughs> not feeling great so you kind of uh, learn to get used to it, um, which I don't know if it makes it any better, but I definitely learned to just get used to not feeling great <laughs> a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and that's just my normal. So, um, but apart from that, I was chatting offline, um, the, uh, the footy season's back and I'm a massive footy nut and, uh, yeah. my team, the crows are playing this afternoon. So I was, uh, I was saying, uh, come four o'clock today, I'll be sitting in front of the couch, sorry, in front of the TV on the couch, cold beer in my hand, watching the footy. So everything else. <laughs> All good, doesn't matter as long as my team wins this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I went to the footy yesterday. I'm, I'm a big footy nut as well, uh, Hugo. I went to the footy yesterday and I watched the uh, a lot of hope at the start of the season for my team, Essendon. Um, hope yep. is something that we're we're we're, we're it's, it's it's a really weird kind of emotion where like, especially from a sporting context, when you have hope, you have belief. When you have belief, you think yes, you think your team's gonna win. Um, and at the start of every single season, Essendon is exactly the same. Um, but. Uh, and I had it the same this season again, but then we get walloped by sixty-four points against uh, the against the prelim reigning prelim uh, finalists from last year. So not ideal, mate. Not ideal. Not ideal at all, mate. And um, and you mentioned that you're an Adelaide supporter. I'm assuming that's because you're you're from Adelaide. You're originally from Adelaide. Yeah, mate. Adelaide originally, born and raised. Spent a bit of time in Adelaide. My fiance is also from Adelaide. Uh, we'll probably always end up there at some stage. The old sort of raising a family and whatnot, but um. At the moment, for work reasons and stuff, we're uh, we're both in Sydney, so Adelaide's always our home. That being said, I've lived in other other states and um, currently in Sydney, so so love love Sydney at the moment. There's there's always something about a hometown that can never leave you. You can you can take Hugo out of the hometown, but yeah, you can't take you. hometown out of Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's it. That's it. And Adelaide's a, a great town. I think it's um, I love Adelaide. So yeah, I think there'll always be a reason to mm. to go back. That's for mm. sure. Cool. You can always, yeah, I mean, like, Mank and I have traveled a little bit uh, around the world and other bits and bobs, but there's some awesome cities out there, but nothing compares to Melbourne. In our case, it's Melbourne, and mm. nothing compares to, I'm sure, Adelaide in your case. Like, mm. there's, yeah, I don't know, there's some, some level of, like, familiarity, that level of comfort, just being around family, there's, yeah, something very special about it, so. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, so, so here, like, you know, now we've mentioned another, we've, we've been following your, your story for, for a while as well, and, um. We've heard you speak on other podcasts around the fact that you don't like to be called like an inspiration, and I what, what I guess like why is that the case? I mean, you know, when we look at your life as a snapshot, I mean, you're a um, you're a two time I guess cancer survivor um, who's now dedicated or now decided to devote his time to um, into early prevention and education and destigmatization of of the issue. 
I guess to ensure that other males don't have to go through what you've gone through. I mean, that seems pretty inspirational to me. Yeah, look, it's it's a good question, actually. I haven't really been asked that before, but I don't know. I think there's just something around um, the fact that, you know, I didn't choose to, to go through what I've gone through. And it's one of those things that, look, I honestly believe that if um, if anyone went through what I've gone through, they've, they're going to do what they can to live and to survive. And just by going through it, um, and, and surviving, I, I just don't see as me just trying to survive, um, being inspirational, you know, it's not like I've chosen to, you know, climb out Everest, or, you know, missing a leg or doing this. And I guess inspirational inspiration can come from many, many means. But I think for me, I think it's, you know, not using my cancer story and something that's, um, I wouldn't wish upon anyone, um, as kind of like a reason I'm an inspiration and, and yeah, I guess the reason the things I'm doing now as a result of that and trying to help others and stuff, rather than looking at that as being inspirational, I kind of look at that as, as my, um, my, almost my obligation in a way to be like, well, I am lucky I'm still here. Unfortunately, I've got many friends who I've connected online over the years who unfortunately aren't here anymore um, through be it, you know, mental illness or advanced, uh, advanced cancers and um, watching them pass away uh, through their sort of social media world and, and their following and, and their partners and then connecting with, with them. It's, uh, it's devastating. So I feel like me being in a situation where I'm still here, I've gone through what I've gone through. Um, I almost feel it's my obligation to go, well, if I can help a few people along the way, to go off to a doctor or to look after themselves, um, then it kind of makes it worthwhile. So that's kind of how I, I see it. Um, I see it as a, a pretty normal thing that, you know, a lot of people would, would hopefully do if they're in a similar situation as me, if that makes sense. Yeah, spot on. And even we can touch on it later, but like even the messages you've got from like Dill Buckley and, and all those other folks that have gone through different things and reached out to you and shared that, hey, like you're not alone. I've had something similar. We want to like take a couple of steps back. Um, what was what was little Hugo like? What was childhood like for you? And um, growing up in Adelaide, boarding uh, don't can't remember boarding school. It was private school, and you had quite a quite a nice uh, yeah. close knit family. But what was that like just growing up, mate? It was a, I had a good uh, good upbringing, mm. good family, good group of friends. Um, you know, very fortunate uh, with my upbringing. Um, but at the same time. I also experienced my health issues back then, um, ever since I was probably, you know, mm. year five, however old you are then. So, and now I'm 30. So I think a big chunk of my life, I have for some reason or another had mm. health issues going on. Um, and big chunk of that's been my bow and other bits and pieces. But as I just said before, even when I'm not feeling great at the moment, I kind of, I've just, I got so used to it over the years that I, um, that mm. was just my normal it's just my normal and everyone's normal is different. Right. And so my normal for me, um, the, for other people would have thought it was, you know, extremely, extremely difficult, but I just got used to it. Um, and that it had its challenges over the years. Don't get me wrong. Um, some significant challenges, but I think once I kind of just almost just accepted it, um, and just got on with my life, life was pretty normal and life was pretty good. Um, you know, unfortunately, me just accepting that and kind of pushing it to the side was arguably one of the reasons years and years later I've, I got, got bowel cancer. Um, we'll, we'll explore that shortly, but point is, um, the lesson I suppose I have for that is everyone, um, goes through adversity and a lot of people growing up often have their own unique challenges growing up, whether it's, um, you know, school and bullying or, you know, relationships with parents or parents separating at young ages we all know those friends who experienced that and it's extremely traumatic for them for me i went through my health issues and that was my my challenge i went through and i think we all learn especially at those vulnerable years of growing up how to accept and cope with it in in, in our own way and um i did that in the way that i thought was right and um got through school and like i said for the most part enjoyed my schooling and then uh, yeah. sign my life yeah, away and join the army. <laughs> you say, well, why did you join the army, um, Hugo? I mean, like, you know, uh, I think it was Sonny and I, we, we've actually spoken to, I think I heard you guys speaking before offline as well around the conversation that we had uh, with Ash Judd, um, who was um, an infantry officer in the in the army, served in Afghanistan. Um, he talked to us. He talked to us about his experience on the on the kind of the war kind of kind of front as well. And Sunny and I, we've been watching um, a lot of SAS Australia that's currently on at the moment, and it's it's 
It's a fucking good show. I'll tell you that right now. It's so funny. It is great. You got Ant Middleton like laying into celebrities, bringing them back down to earth off their high horses. It's actually, it's fucking awesome. I love it. Um, so what did make you join the army in the first place and, and what was training like for you? Um, look, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, say Australia, it's a good show actually. I'm, um, oh, nice. yeah, a mate of mine, um, Dan Pronk's the doctor on there and um, he's an ex-special yeah, yeah. <laughs> ex forces doctor and then I think it's slightly different with the work he does on there <laughs> than what he so did. Good. But it's it's an awesome show. It's very, very entertaining. Um, I love it. But um, <laughs> It's a good laugh. It is. But look, to be honest, it's to me it was a matter of it probably different than a lot of people joined. Um, I honestly joined because I thought it was a great way to um, put myself out of my comfort zone, um, throw myself in the deep end, I was at that time of my life where I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. Um, you know how you get people who are like, I want to do medicine, I want to do law, I want to, <laughs> you know, be a you know tradie, I want to, you know, be an electrician, whatever it might be. I had no idea. Um, my school grades are pretty good, but I just didn't had no idea what I wanted to do. So I thought joining the army, I wanted to move out of home, put myself in the deep end, just challenge myself, and just do something different just something different and i thought hey if i get through the first couple of years great yeah. um if not not the end of the world here i am 12 years later still um still <laughs> kicking around so and um, that was honestly the reason it was just a bit of that adventure um i had no family history of anyone in the army um just thought i just wanted to just do something different and when i discovered this mm. ad for uh, australian defense force academy where you could get a uni degree meet some new mates get challenged a bit do some army training i thought you know that that sounds um sounds pretty good and um and that's what i did and then eventually got through it all um and like i said i've been for 12 years and unfortunately a big chunk of that i've had some health uh, health challenges which has meant i can couldn't do a lot of things that i probably initially wanted to do um but the best part is they've still found a, a capability and you know what i can contribute and i my, i love my job at the moment which um mm. i think is pretty important were there i guess like for you growing up uh, especially in your family and with some of the health conditions you had, where there's some values that got instilled into you from quite a young age, just going through all those different sets of experiences. And I guess how, like, almost in a way, the question I'm trying to get at is like, you can always, um, looking back in your life, you can always connect the dots to why you why you mm. make certain decisions. And I'm sure there are some values you learned along the way as you were growing up that pushed you or like made you prosper in that advert um, army training environment. And yeah, looking back, can you pick out those values that, that really helped serve you yeah. as you went into the army? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great point. It's a great point. I think, um, absolutely. I think, you know, you can, you're not born with resilience, right? And I mm. think um, going through it, I went through, um, you naturally adapt to challenges um, and you learn to overcome them. And, you know, you kind of, you know, get, ingrained in that sense of resilience mm. within you and i think that definitely helped um having that going through my army training when mm. times were tough and you're that vulnerable you know 18 19 year old um it's kind of for me i knew that i could get through whatever i was going through because i'd been through worse or i knew that that particular challenge at that point in time wasn't the end of the world um and i think that definitely helped me get through right right through my four years of training, there were some extremely tough moments and I've never been the fittest, physically the fittest guy. Mm. I never have been, but I always got through every single training exercise and, um, you know, physical component. I got through everything just because I think I had that mindset um, of wanting to, you know, complete something and, and mm. you know, get through something that a lot of people who are a lot fitter than me physically probably didn't get through it <laughs> because their mindset mm. may have uh, not been as good. So yeah, absolutely, mate. I, I, Definitely believe that uh, that helps. Yeah, I always, always, always look at, um, I always read a lot of like Navy SEAL kind of um, biographies, and um, one of the one of the key like uh, facts that they bring up in those um, in those documentaries and, the, and in those books is like these Navy SEALs people like we think that they are these like big units like you know broad chest big heads like <laughs> like ma like massive people with like you know big like alpha energy but like i think obviously you need to have a bit of bit of that kind of energy but like one of the observations that they always make in each of these biographies is the fact that you can't really distill mm. uh, a navy seal um from an everyday person i mean like their their body is pretty normal but like what distinguishes people um, from everyone else is just the fact that you know their mental fortitude and and the values that have been that, that have been instilled in them through training oh yeah 
Oh, for sure, man. You mentioned the SAS Australia show now, and um, same thing applies, you know, and same thing with SAS, the, the, the real mm-hmm. life selection. Um, you know, a few of my mates who are, who are in special forces, you know, some of them you'd walk past from the street and they look like normal guys. Um, and you've got to have that mindset. Um, you've got to have the mental strength and mental fitness um, to really get through some of those, uh, some of those things. That's, you know, the, the far right extreme example of what we're talking about, but just yeah. in everyday life. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch off a little, a uh, few things in this, in this podcast, the importance of mental health, mental fitness. I know you guys mm. spoke to Gus Wallen yeah. a fair bit about that, that mental fitness and what it means. Similar concept, you know, you don't have to be a, an SAS soldier, but it's the whole idea of, um, your mental health being just as, if not more important yeah. than your physical health. And it's all, mm. it all, it all aligns. It all, all relates. Yeah. So it's all integrated mm. as well. Definitely right? not. Like the, the one thing, yeah, <laughs> Mang's probably heard me yap on about this uh, a thousand times. So I'll keep it short. This is the Maslow's <laughs> one, Mang. Oh, I love that one. No, 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 no. Give, give them the whole thing. Give them the whole thing. But basically, you know, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and it's like at the bottom, it's like um, water, air, shelter, etc. Then you go up and it's like you find your purpose and self-fulfillment, etc. But nowhere in there does it mention anything about mental health. And it's almost like mental health is very much the core ingredient to anything to put shelter on your on your head is to have a job and have some sort of income which relies on your mental health. To have good relationships with others and be there for others and serve others relies on your mental health also being really good. So it's like when, when Gus talks about it, it's almost mm. like, yeah, like Matt, you're absolutely spot on. It makes like sense, the, right? Yeah, exactly. Like the head and the heart is so connected. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on, um, obviously you had a lot of different experiences while you were um, at ADVA um, and... Um, hopefully time permits us to sort of go into those different areas. But one of those things that, um, yeah, one of the things that Mank and I really want to understand is like you being diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, you know, as, as guys, <laughs> we've all got testicles. Um, I, I don't think for myself, like I've never really gone ahead and like checked different parts of my body. Um, it's not something I've done, but as I continue to get older and you hear more people talk about it, um, cancer is just one of those things that just, like, to be honest, just scares the shit out of me. Uh, there's a book, Good When book. Breath Becomes Air, um, by yeah. Paul Kalaninthi. He he goes through his experience as a doctor and as a patient, mm. um, and <clears throat> it's a wonderful book. I'm not too sure if you've read it, but I've heard of it. I've heard of it actually. Uh, I haven't read it, but I've um, I've heard of it. So it's good. very good, mate. It is yeah. wonderful. It is wonderful. Um, and so yeah, how like when did you realize you had testicular cancer? I know there was a bit of hesitation when you were um you know just before you were going to see the gp but how did that all play out for you yeah look it was um and, and this is the funny thing right it's um well you know not funny so the interesting thing is that something like um like cancer that doesn't always have to be obvious symptoms and you you can be feeling fine um and so for me i was the fittest and healthiest i'd been and that's that's the interesting part mm. i find is that you've got cancer through your body, but you feel hundred percent normal. Um, and outside of a very, very small little symptom or a little lump, you're, you're, you're fine. Right. So, um, for me, I was fit and healthy. Everything was fine. Uh, but I knew I had this little lump in my testicle. Um, and that little lump, little frozen pea sized lump, I put off for six months plus looking back on it. Um, just completely put it off and just hoping it would go away on its own. Um, that was the, the honest truth. And then um, it wasn't until a phone chat with my dad and he was the first person I actually told. And this was six months plus later where I said, yep, hey, dad, I've got this um, this little lump on my testicle. Um, and he was just so casual about it. And he just said, mate, have you gone to the doctor? And I thought, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, no, I haven't. Like, And it was so strange. Mm. Here I was, 21, knew I had this lump on my testicle. I knew deep down it wasn't right. Mm but I didn't actually think about just going off to a doctor yeah. um, and knowing what I know now and what I've experienced mm. since that moment, nine years ago. Um, it's just, it, it really does. Mm. It's mind boggling that I didn't just go off to a doctor, um, mm. but at the same time I get why I didn't. And that's why there's that issue amongst men, especially where they, um, they seem to just put off going to a doctor or they almost fear going to a doctor. Um, but for me, that was the prompt I needed, went off to a doctor um, and then, uh, in the space of probably a few days, I got told, mate, you've got testicular cancer. Uh, we need to remove your testicle. 
Um, oh, and by the way, the cancer's actually spread uh, beyond your testicle. Mm. Um, we need to have uh, potential follow-up treatment. We'll discuss that down the track with with further scans, et cetera. But uh, let's get that testicle removed. And that'll happen within, the whole thing happened within a couple of days. Um, so it moved quickly and it was a big shock, um, especially for someone, like I said, who was the fit, fit and healthiest I'd felt um, for my entire life. Yeah. Like, uh, I, yeah, I think like Sonny mentioned, you know, there's something that we need to, I guess, um, it's something that I haven't really sort of like, started to, not top of mind for me, but, you know, I, I always remember, I always think back to Lance Armstrong's, um, uh, he, he also had, uh, I think he also had testicular cancer as well. And he did, yeah. His, um, because his, and his cancer, I guess it spread from, obviously it, 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 it was, it spread to his lower abdomen, lungs, um, and, you know, and into his brain as well. And it was just, you know, I think, um, yeah, and that's the thing. Sorry, on that, it's it, with any any cancer. Uh, if you get it early, if you get it early, you give yourself the best possible chance to survive. Right? Mm. Um, some cancers spread differently, spread quicker, etc. But long story short, cancers spread. So if you get mm. the cancers early, you give yourself the best um, chance to survive. But it's like anything in life. Prevention yeah. prevention is better than crisis. Mm. Right? So if you whether it's mental illness, you know, if you get early days, preventative sort of, you know, mental health, look after yourself, start going to see some, you know, professional support. Same thing with cancer, same thing with lots of illnesses. If you get it early, you give yourself the best possible chance uh, to Mm -hmm. get through it. If you leave things too late, that's often when it becomes really, really difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, I think you guys, you said you're 24. Yep. If I ask both of you, for yeah. example, when was it? Um, when was it last you went to your doctor, your GP, just for a, an annual checkup? Not if not. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about if, if something was wrong, yeah. but just for an annual checkup. Just a couple of months ago. You went a couple of months ago. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Just just like a blood test. I get a blood test every six months, but that's that. Okay. <laughs> but that's brilliant. And what what about what about you? Uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm not as uh, I'm not that, that that's not as present for me. I think when I, whenever something is wrong, even if it's a very small thing, yeah. I like to go to the doctor. Um, because I think yeah, because I think just to give you a bit of context about me, I've I've got health anxiety, which is essentially like having being overly anxious about anything health related about about myself. So, um, my thing's not really an annual kind of checkup, but it's more like if even the smallest thing is Flares off up. or the smallest yeah. thing is wrong. You just, I just need to go to the doctor and check so it out. So essentially you have in a way. Essentially, yeah. Ongoing checkups. Yeah. Your kind of, yeah. But look, I get that. Look, I've had shit with what I've gone through. I have, I do get that health anxiety stuff where I find something and I go, hey, I'm a shit. Mm. I've got a bloody yeah. new cancer or whatever. And it's, look, I guess it's fair enough, right? But, um, mm. but it's just an interesting one because you guys are only 24 you know even then you're, you're hitting that stage of, of what my vision in life with this whole 25 stay alive concept which if we have enough time we can touch on if not no issues but it's because a lot of blokes especially um in their sort of approaching that mid-20s they don't really prioritize their health and you guys mm. you know it's great to hear that you have you know annual checkups you go to your doctor um but we think that when you're in your mid-20s or around that age which a lot of your listeners might be similar age that you're sort of bulletproof you're invincible um you know things like cancer god forbid they don't happen at that age and that's the kind of the, the mindset yeah. we need to change yeah. is because if we get on top of that it's not to say you're going to go off to the doctor and be diagnosed with cancer and that's obviously you get those health anxieties it's very unlikely that's going to be the case but what it does is it puts you a in the mindset so down the track you have that mindset of going off to a doctor if something's not wrong mm-hmm. but if there is something wrong it doesn't even have to be as serious as cancer you're getting on top of it early yeah. and that's what people kind of they don't they don't fathom that and um you look at a lot of the key statistics you know bowel cancer is now the biggest cancer killer for for uh, 25 to 30 year olds mm-hmm. new data's come out it's no longer just the old person's cancer testicular cancer impacts young men age typically 16 to 30 once again in that in that demographic we all know the um statistics around mental illness how it affects everyone and often Mm. young uh sort of vulnerable men can be hit the hardest so all these things start coming together Mm. melanoma once again it can be a young young person's cancer all these things we know yet we still Mm. as young blokes think we're invincible Mm. and i think that's um through these podcasts and conversations hopefully it encourages encourages people to sort of change that one 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 question that came to mind, um, and I'm probably going to ask it now, just in case we don't get time later, because I think it's very important. Um, how can a man or even a woman um, 
get themselves checked out? Because for me, I always think that I have to be the one that sort of picks it out because, you know, there's little rashes on my skin or, you know, I don't mm. know what that means. That might be a birthmark. Um, you know, I'm just worried that, you know, as much as I check myself, I might miss something. Um, mm. You know, what's the best way, and especially if you don't have a hunch towards like, oh, I, I don't know if I've got something going on with my gut or my skin or my head, but I just want to be checked out completely or in some way. Mm. How can someone go about that? Well, first things first, I always say, everyone should be having their skin checks, an annual skin check um, with their GP or a skin professional. Yeah. And that is, it takes five minutes and you can book yourself in and they go over your entire skin, checking for any little freckles or birthmarks or whatever. Anything that's a little bit strange, they might take a photo of it. Yeah. It literally takes five minutes. Yeah. We should all, especially being Australians, just get in the habit of doing that, right? But just in general, um, self-checks is kind of what you're touching on, which I think are bloody important. I often say before showers, perfect opportunity, close her off, look at yourself in the mirror. When you're having a shower is the best time for say blokes to check their testicles because it's when the testicles kind of come down a bit, the steam and everything like that. Cup your testicles a bit. Same thing for females, checking any lumps and bumps around your breasts and armpits and all that type of stuff. Before, during, after a shower, perfect time to do that. If you've got a partner, get your partner to have a quick look around. If you've got a weird little you know, rash on your back that you're not sure about, get them to have a look. And then I always say the two-week rule. And I love the two-week rule. So essentially what that means is if your bowels are playing up, right? It could be from dinner the night before. It could be from a tummy bug. It could be from a range of different things. If you've got this weird little rash that you kind of go, gee, that's not quite normal, just observe it, monitor it. And that two-week rule is a pretty good indication where if after two weeks is if your bowels are still playing up or that rash mm. is still there and not looking good, that is the good indication or a general good rule of thumb to go, you know what, these tummy issues, this rash, this whatever it is, lump that's sitting on my testicle, okay, it's been there for a couple of weeks now. I'm going to go book into see a GP. So you kind of, it's that mix of what you're touching on, mate, with the health mm. anxiety of like, oh, shit, I've got a little rash or you know, I've got some diarrhea. I'm going to book in for the next appointment to see my doctor or go off to the emergency room. Yeah. Look, probably not what you need to do, but that mm. two-week rule. So if you're listening to this now and you're a bit concerned about something, if it's really concerning, absolutely go off to a doctor. Don't kind of say, oh, no, but Hugo said two weeks and you're, you know, coughing out blood. <laughs> we, 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 know, we know the obvious symptoms, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I'm talking about the minor everyday symptoms or rashes or lumps and bumps or bowel movements or whatever that you think, oh, it's not quite normal. You know, my normal's, you know, X, and this is not quite normal for me. Mm. Um, give it two weeks. And if it's still playing up, go see your GP. Yeah. So hopefully that uh, provides a little bit of guidance. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if you noticed this as well, Sonny, but um, I can just tell from the way that you're speaking, Hugo, that there's just this sense of, I just get this sense of calmness and, and positivity about about your own story like it's just it's it's really you know it's it's really awesome to observe mate um mm. and in terms of that you know that treatment of of the disease i mean chemo is is something that we've of course all heard of and you know what that's like i mean we can't really understand um particularly from your perspective i mean you're a young man um and i guess what, what was that kind of like i mean su i suppose as you and your youth and, and in terms of that physical pain um and also i guess sitting in that hospital mentally how that would have affected you i mean what sort of toll did those kind of take on you when you were going through it but the biggest thing you just said there is the mental side and i yeah. think that's so important that you know the physical stuff yeah that that sucks um but the mental stuff especially when i was going through it at 21 22 is that real vulnerable young adult that young man where you know you worry about your appearances you know you're wanting to go on the dating scene and meet new people and, and here you are sort of you know puffy face from the steroids complete bald head no eyebrows you just you know big dark rings and you look at yourself in the mirror and you think jesus christ who is that um that really got to me that really affected me the most so much so that i didn't even really want mates um to visit me when i was going through my four or five months or however long i did of chemo because I felt so embarrassed in how I looked, so embarrassed in how I looked. And I've, I'm so open now and I've got so many photos of my journey now, but interestingly enough, I've got no photos of when I was going through chemo. 
I've got mm -hmm. one photo of when I had a bald head putting a blazer on because it was a really good friend's 21st. It was like one of my only social outings I did yeah. um, going through chemo. Other than that, there's a, a year gap where I've hardly got any photos at all. And that's just because I felt so insecure, so embarrassed in how I looked, um, which is interesting because I've just, the last 60 seconds or so, has just spoken about all the, the mental side of things. Yeah. Um, whereas the physical stuff that like, obviously sucked, you know, you're, you're nauseous, you're sick, you know, you, you know, can only do a little walk around the block, you know, um, no energy. Um, you know, the way I explain it, it's like a really, really bad hangover that's yeah. just there constantly. You know, you get the brain fog, all sorts of stuff. But to me, looking back on it, it was probably more the mental side of things and how it made me feel with my mental health that I actually really, really struggled with. Yeah. yeah. There's, um, it's yeah it's one of those things where it's like it's really hard for someone on the outside to really empathize or understand you know what it is because you're you're going through the treatment you've got uncertainty about mm. what's ahead and you you've got all these drugs that are just pumping through your system it actually impairs the way you think as well like doesn't matter how fit you are it impairs the way you think 100 percent, and that there is only so much you can do like chemo is a very toxic drug and just a bit of um i guess clarification on that there are lots of different chemo drugs um, and so I often often caught the chemo cocktail, like depending what cocktail you have, uh, it's going to be different. It's going to be a different mm -hmm. cocktail. And so some chemo makes you lose hair. That's why you might see some people who are going through chemo that their hair doesn't fall out. Mm -hmm. Um, some chemo might not be as necessarily strong in the short term, but people might have it for 12 months. Um, whereas some might hit you really hard for four months. So you can't even get out of bed. Um, some makes people sick, some doesn't make people sick. So it can honestly depend as well. So yeah. when you hear about you know, someone close to you or a friend of yours, you know, going through chemo, just be, you know, I guess uh, <clears throat> mindful that it can be different for everyone. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I, I know people that are going through chemo and now still going for runs and, um, yeah. you know, living a pretty normal life. Well, I can tell you right now, there's no chance I could have ever done that yeah. when I was going through mine. So it can, it can vary, but all in all, you're, you're spot on Sunny by saying that um, you're having it for a reason to get mm. rid of your cancer. Um, and there's always going to be that level of anxiety post chemo treatment that follow-up scan to show has the chemo done its job mm. and that's the anxious moment for any cancer survivor getting that scan because if yeah. they get the scan that says sorry mate there's still signs of cancer chemo hasn't done its job it's like fuck right that's yeah. when things start to um get serious and survival rates and stuff become less and less yeah. so um yeah, lo yeah. lots of uh, difficulties there Matt, thank you for sharing and being so brave with your story as well like one one thing that's come out to us is like you talk about how testicular cancer saved your life, <laughs> funnily mm. enough. And yeah. um, talking about like merging that with like the two-week rule we're talking about, what what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So when I say that, I think it's um it's that real jolt that people kind of go, shit, what do you mean by that? But mm. quite literally, I'm here today chatting to you guys. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for testicular cancer. And what I mean by that is I learned when I went through testicular cancer, the importance of early detection, plain and simple, the importance of the two week rule, the importance of going to the doctor. I learned that the hard way because that little frozen pea sized lump I was chatting about that I put off for six months plus, And like we're chatting about with Lance Armstrong before that meant the cancer started to spread upwards, lymph nodes, chest, lung area, it started to spread upwards. So it would have been a pretty, what would have been a pretty routine surgery to remove the testicle. Uh, I then had to have the chemos, the follow-on um, abdominal lymph node surgeries, you know, hospital visits, this, that, and the other scans, you know, a good two years of treatment, recovery, rehab, and whatever, what, everything that goes with that, all because I put off that lump. End of story. Mm. That's that. But then what I mean by testicular cancer saving my life is because going through that experience it made me so aware of my body and so in tune with my body that five years later, I'd been given the all clear. I was cancer free. I was 26 happy days. Life was pretty normal at that stage. But then a couple months later, my bowels started playing up and I was chatting before about that two week rule. Well, my bowels were playing up for a couple of weeks. I knew something wasn't quite right. It wasn't my normal. You know, and then I said, I even said to my partner, Amber, I said, look, Ams, my bowels are still, something's not right. I was getting up during the night. I was going more often than I usually did. I said, I'm going to go off to the doctor. 
And I can tell you right now, as a normal 26 year old, if I hadn't gone through what I'd went through and learned what I'd learned, there's no way I would have just been rushing off because it wasn't that bad. I, I didn't have blood. I didn't have like real bad pains. It wasn't that bad, but I knew it was something wasn't right. And it had been gone for a couple of weeks. So I went off to the doctor, had the routine stool test, had the colonoscopy, which they recommended. And then the colonoscopy showed that out of nowhere, 26 years of age, two months after just being told I had all clear from my testicular cancer. They said, mate, um, unfortunately, from the colonoscopy and the biopsies, we've found that uh, you've got bowel cancer. And that came at a massive shock. But he said the only silver lining, the only silver lining is that we have caught it early. We have caught it just at the right time. It's starting to want to peep through the old bowel wall and starting to spread. And once that happens, it's, you know, bowel cancer, mm -hmm. the second biggest cancer killer in Australia behind lung cancer. But he said, as it currently stands, we've just got it at the right time. We got to act quick. Three days later, colorectal surgeon, big chunk of bowel removed, follow on, you know, immunosuppressants, um, radiation medications and the like, you know, year goes by, had to get the rest of the large bowel removed because there's some still signs of dysplasia, which is like precancerous cells. Um, but long story short, Yes, it was a couple year journey. Uh, yes, I had some complications in there. Yes, I still had surgeries and all sorts of stuff going on. Um, but that being said, all in all, I still caught that cancer early and I'm still here today chatting to you guys. I firmly believe because of my experience with, with, with testicular cancer. So I say to people, you don't have to go through testicular can advanced testicular cancer or bowel cancers in my you know, eight, nine year journey. You don't have to go through that to know what I know now guess what? Here's like a, you know, bloody Easter egg that you get for free that um, you don't have to go through that. I'll just part that knowledge onto you right now. You can take it and go, guess what? I have that knowledge now. Yeah. I'm fit and healthy. I don't have two bouts of cancer, but hey, I know that now that guess what? Early detection and prevention is a good thing. If something's playing up, I'm going to go off to my doctor. These are yeah. things that if you know that, that's a good thing. It's something that yeah. I didn't know early days, but 26 yeah. year old Hugo knew and it's the reason I'm alive. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I mean by that, mate. And it's um, it's something that I'm, when I do have shit days, um, and I still get those, um, when I do go through the last sort of month with what I've gone through with my health, sort of having a bit of a flare up, playing up at the moment, COVID, all this type of stuff, I often just try and get grounded and remind myself that. And I go, you know what? I'm alive. I'm here today. Um, things could be a lot worse. You know, that whole perspective thing, which is massive for me. Mm. Mm. Uh, chatting to you guys, beautiful Sunday morning, and you kind of go, you know what? Yeah, I went to the bathroom a few times last night. Yeah, my bowels are playing up. Not not the end of the world. So, uh, yeah, that's what I mean by that, mate. Mm. And um, it's something I'm yeah pretty passionate about. Yeah. One of the things that you spoke about there, Hugo, was this idea of perspective. And um, I guess a, a kind of a, a deduction one can get from that is, you know, the fact that life is precious and it's, it's something not to be um, taken for granted. And if, you know, if, I guess if, the last couple of weeks is anything to go by with, you know, with the passing of, of Shane Warne. Um, you know, it, it just sort of just goes to show that, you know, it can be taken away from you literally in an instant and at any point, at any point in time. Um, actually, I went to the, I went to the footy yesterday um, and they have, uh, they have a statue of Shane um, outside the MCG and everyone was sort of laying flowers and there were a couple of beer bottles there. And um, it was, it was just, a, I guess, a tribute to, to his legacy. And um, I guess the, the question I have is uh, that I have for you is when I guess when you were diagnosed, but both times, did you ever um, begin to question kind of what your legacy was and and, and what your purpose on this on on this earth is? I mean, um, I read a quote recently about this guy who said that um, there are two very important days in your life: the first being the day that you're born, and and the second being the day that you find that you find out why. Um, so yeah, I guess like you know, were there times you know where you were sort of beginning to question that? Yeah, look, I think I did, to be honest. Um, look, I've gone through a real shitty yeah. time on mental health too. Um, some real dark days Some during that some of that bowel cancer treatment when I didn't really talk about my mental health and I kind of put it to the side. Um, and look, we probably don't have time to delve deep into that now, but it was basically the whole thing that I did everything I could for my physical health, but I didn't really do anything for my mental health and it got to a really bad stage. So during those moments, I... I, I probably wasn't thinking about the whole leaving a legacy behind. Um, 
and that type of thing because I just wasn't in a good headspace. To be honest, there were times where it was touch and go um, with my physical health. And I got to a stage where I accepted that and I was happy to kind of just, you know, that was that. I'd given it a really good fight. And um, when you're in that that moment, you can't really describe that when you kind of, you're ready to go. Um, so I probably wasn't thinking about it back then. Um, but then once I kind of got through all that type of stuff and then shared my story and helped that first person through my story, whoever that was, through a post or a, you know, share or whatever, that's when I had that, you know, epiphany moment of like, you know what, this is my legacy. Yes, this has been a very shit time what I've gone through, but I can now use that to help others. And I think that legacy thing you spoke about, you know, if I'm not here tomorrow, the next day, the next week, I'll still be sort of proud knowing that I've hopefully done enough to help people's lives, not only in the past, but hopefully for future to come, I can help people's lives through what I've gone through. And that legacy thing for me, I think is massive. And that, that purpose, um, that whole purpose thing, you know, we wake up in the morning, go to work, do our job, you know, have our friends, whatever. But I think if we have that sense of purpose in why we're doing what we do, um, all those other trivial things like money and things like that. Um, yeah. You need an income and have a roof over your head and pay the bills. But for me, it's definitely not a priority for me. It's that, that sense of purpose and enjoy doing what I enjoy and helping others and surrounding myself with good people and like-minded people. And I think if we can, if we can all have a little taste of that or experience a bit of that, um, I think we're all going to go a long way to, uh, to looking after our mental health too. So um, yeah, absolutely, mate. I hope I've um, definitely the old, um, you know, you hear the whole, when people are, are reading out a eulogy you know, or something like that, um, mm. how you want to be remembered. And I'd like to think that, um, you know, you're going to be remembered in a, in a good way. And for me, hopefully it's that health journey, um, helping others. Mm. Um, one of the, one of the things, and, um, one of the things that come out in your story, I know during your time at Advite, you, um, had some loss that you experienced as well. And that coupled with a lot of the chemo that you're going through, you mentioned some of those dark days as well as you're going through, um, those hospital stays and, and, and one of the things, you know, that comes out in the story is you talk about two years here, a year here, another year here. Um, and that's still a whole entire year um, mm. of your life. And, um, that's a very precious amount of time as you are growing up, but we probably might not get time to touch on that. But the question is like, you know, you've gone through some experiences in your life. What are the things you turn to, to like look after your mental health as you go through those moments? Um, I know hearing you speak on behind the uniform, one of the podcasts that you host yourself, um, there's that photo that you keep on your phone, for example, Mm. for me, it's always about meditation and exercise. They're the things that keep me happy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I think it's on the good days that you, you start mm. building that muscle up because when the bad days happen, it's like a shock absorber for, mm. for the things that are going through. So what are the things that you turn to? How do you look after yourself during those days as well? Yeah, look, it's um, I think the first one's just acknowledging that um, finding what works for you. Mm. And I know that's like a real sort of generic term, but it's so true, like you could have every psychologist under the sun or people recommending that, mate, running, running helps me, running helps me. Running might not be right for you or meditation. There are different forms of meditation uh, and what you can do for meditation. I've always found meditation quite difficult for myself. Um, I've always, you know, tried to commit with it, but it's been difficult. So I think finding what works for you. And for me, I always recommend having that happy place that you can go to. Um, whatever that is that doesn't involve your phone. Um, for me, it you know involves my dogs, you know, going for a walk, going on my stand-up paddleboard, those types of things when you are going through those really difficult times. And we all have those times where you feel like you're so stressed and there is so much going on in that mind that like you can't comprehend it. They're the times where you just need to find that happy place, whatever that is. Mm. Might be grabbing that coffee with a mate, taking your dogs for a walk and just having that go-to, that outlet to go shit, I can experience, I'm, I'm going through this now. All right, I just need to go on my stand-up paddleboard for half an hour. Um, those little moments. Um, and then it's also, I know I've touched on it in this episode, but it is that perspective piece. And I say this with a caveat. It's not to diminish when you are going through something to say what you're going through isn't, isn't significant because you know what? I'm sure it is. I'm sure what you're going through is significant, especially to you. 
You know, don't ever think that this relationship breakup you're going through, whatever it might be, oh, you know what, but that dude had a couple of bouts of cancer. I've got no reason to complain. This is so insignificant because you know what? It might be hugely traumatic and significant for you and that's okay. So it's not a matter of comparing. I think there's a difference between perspective and comparing yourself with others. What I mean by perspective is purely thinking, you know what, what I'm going through now, what I'm going through now, will I get through it? And there's every chance you will get through it. So, okay, now I know that. Fantastic. I know I'm going to get through it. That's great. That doesn't solve the issue that I feel like shit right now. Okay, fair enough. So that's when you start to just leverage off previous times you've gone through things and how you got through those times. And that's, you've mentioned that photo, mate. For me, I look at a, a photo of me, which is I'm 66 kilos. Um, you know, I'm the unhappiest I'd been. I was not doing well. I'm just, you know, I've got a bag. Um, you know, there was all these unknowns. My mental health was fucked. My physical health was cooked. I'd, you know, I just was not in a good place at all. And at that point in time, that Hugo and that photo, I had no idea how I was going to get through it. The worst I'd been in my entire 30 years, but I got through it. And so I look back through that, at that photo and that moment in time and go far out, far out. Look at me now. Shit, I might have gone to the bathroom 10 times yesterday. My bowels are playing up. You know, I had COVID. I'm not feeling great. But geez, I'm about to watch the Crows this afternoon with a cold beer and chili chips on a Sunday afternoon after chatting to these two awesome blokes in a podcast. Like, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's a pretty cool <laughs> Sunday. And then all of a sudden, without even knowing, even just saying that out loud, I've almost forgotten that my health wasn't actually, isn't that great at the moment because I kind of go, you know what? I'm doing a lot better than this old Hugo on this photo. So, they're the types of things I try and do. And the more of that you do, the better have you become of when that sort of challenging time comes before even knowing you've kind of just clicked through it and you've, you've gone, gone through it. So yeah. it's that kind of, um, you know, continuing at it. So that, that's something that I find works for me. Um, I recommend that if, if people listening to this are going through a difficult time, just trying to find something in their life that they compare it to themselves, not others, but to themselves and have that perspective piece to go, you know what? Sonny's not feeling great today, but I've also bloody gone through a lot worse. I've gone through this. I've gone through that. Today's actually not that bad a day. Um, that's helped me anyway. So hopefully it can, can help others. Yeah. I, I liked how you said it's very significant. Like everything is your, it's one of those things with mental health, like your, your world vision just narrows down on what you're mm. dealing with. And it is definitely significant to the person. These things often play out. Like, you know, you've talked about it yourself. Like you've just kept yourself busy as you're going through your training and as you're going through chemo. Um, but these things flare up later in life, um, mm. as trauma. Uh, I'm having to deal with it myself at the moment. Like I had a really awesome chat with someone at work. We had a pretty, very authentic, vulnerable chat for about 45 minutes. She's a director. Um, and, you know, I'm talking about, you know, things that are going on in my life. She's talking about things that are going on in her life and how like these things have come out in the last 10 years or so. Um, even though she's, you know, in her thirties or forties or whatever it might be like, yeah, yeah. you gotta, yeah. We haven't touched on that psychology, uh, no, like psychologist but, piece, but mate, 100%. It's, a, it's a good point. And look, I, I do want to just add, I, I, I see a monthly psychologist. Um, yeah. I still see him and it's interesting. There's times where I've just quickly, um, I'm seeing Luke, let's just say, I'm seeing him tomorrow. And there are times you go, oh, I just, I've got too much going on. I can't be bothered seeing Luke. Um, I don't even know if I need to see him. They're the times I always get the most out of seeing him. <laughs> are the ones where I actually don't think I need to see him. And I go, oh, and we start talking like this. An hour goes by and we've talked mm. about this and this and uncovered that. And he's sort of given mm. me something to work on with this. And I go, fuck, that was brilliant. Um, mm. So what I suggest there is whether or not it's a psychologist or not, people often think you need to see, see a psychologist because you've got severe depression or you're suicidal or really bad mental illness. Not the case at all. The other day I got the biggest tick or the biggest bloody win or proud moment in my life when one of my mates who's, you know, not really open and talking about his feelings, this type of stuff, he kind of very loosely dropped. We we're kind of going out for lunch. He loosely dropped that, um, you know, I'm seeing a psychologist in a couple mm. of weeks and he kind of just mumbled it, mumbled <laughs> it out. And I was like, what was this mate? He, he kind of yeah. thought where well, I'm, I'm an open guy. I'm like, Mate, what did you say? That's brilliant. He's like, oh, but it's a performance psychologist. It's to do with work and this. It's performance and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, look, if that makes you feel better about saying it or whatever, brilliant. But the yeah. point was I was so proud and happy yep. that he's someone who's not usually like that. He was seeing a psychologist. He told me, I said, mate, brilliant. Thanks for telling me. I'm fucking awesome. Stoked. Let me know how you go. Like, good on you for at least kind of doing that. That was a big moment for him. 
Yeah. Um, so little things like that, whether it be a psychologist or not, and Sonny, you touched on it before, mate, or just having that, as Gus Wallen says, that gotcha yeah. for life, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Someone in your life that you can talk to, because I can tell you right now, keeping things bottled up, you know, said <laughs> the podcast, keeping things bottled up does not help anyone. I did that for a number of years, keeping things bottled up. I thought that was the way to go. It was not the way to go. And as soon as I started opening up, just telling one person how I was feeling, just letting things off my chest, just talking about it, finding that one person in your life, two people, whatever that you can talk to about it, you feel so, so much better. So I think um, that's also an important sort of way to, to finish yeah. up too. Oh, Look at that man. as well. Get, getting bottled up is into my bloody <laughs> without even meaning to as well. Just, uh, <laughs> no, look, yeah, no, I, I love it. You go, and I, I love the what you were you were talking about, um, especially with um, how everyone's experiences are unique to them. Um, I, I I love that, and I was I always I find myself as well. Um, you described it before. Um, you know, I think that there's some stuff that's happened in my life over the past couple of weeks, and I've always thought, okay, like you know, at least I'm not you know, a little kid in Ukraine at the moment who's, you know, who's, who's literally like, mm. like that. And I'm just like, you know, it's, um, you know, whilst, you know, you, you do get perspective, but I think, you know, just understand that your, that your experiences are unique to, to yourself. Um, you know, I think that's just, that's a super important. And I, and I love that. I love that. Um, I love that sentiment. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we're really, we're really grateful for you extending by, by 10 minutes. Um, but we, we've got, a, I know we've, we've thrown a lot of questions at you today, Hugo, but we've got, we thought we'd, we'd finish up with the, with the rapid fire questions. We've <laughs> yep. got some rapid fire questions, which we, we always do this with, with every guest. Um, but I think the first question that we have for you, uh, Hugo is, you know, millionaire hot seat or the chase? <laughs> uh, millionaire hot seat. I need, I need redemption. Yeah. <laughs> redemption, yeah. Um, so- Second question, uh, how many mates did you speak to about your plans before proposing to Amber? Does uh, <laughs> it... family count as friends? Yeah, yeah. Oh, how many people yeah, did you speak to? <laughs> okay, Pro- uh, so I'm a, my twin brother, best mate. Yeah. Um, so probably my twin brother, my dad. So only two people. Yeah, two gotcha. People. Nice. <laughs> yeah, two nice. people. Yeah. What was the uh, proposal like? The proposal, I think it was... Um, I think I nailed it. I think it was pretty ro- pretty romantic. Did it on my 30th birthday. So there are unknowns. I didn't make it all about me because I wanted to kind of, um, after lockdown, uh, favourite restaurant, um, you know, planned it. The bloody waiter walked out, smack bang on 7.30 just after I'd um, dropped the knee with a big thing of flowers. And um, it was a beautiful dinner. I even serenaded her with a song on the way home um, that, I'd, <laughs> that, I'd, that I'd learned the lyrics to after about four or five bottles of champagne. So it was, um, yeah, I think I nailed it, but yeah. I'm, bi- I'm biased. It's my proposal. <laughs> the, the, I think you're, you're living by Gus Wallen's words there of wearing your heart on your sleeve. I love it. <laughs> uh, SS Australia or MasterChef? Uh, I think um, SS Australia because I'm, suck at cooking uh, and also <laughs> i think um i've had like a one percent sample size of of some of that world so maybe i mm. could uh, give it a crack see how i go yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh and then what are you looking forward to the most as we open up in the world and and everything like that any plans with amber or just in general mate i think that's an easy one purely because we're in wedding planning mode at the yep, moment I and our, our, our wedding's planned for november this year in the adelaide hills yeah, uh, with our closest cool. family and friends, and um, you know, I'm just so excited when you see other people's weddings and stuff like that. It just yeah. gets you really keen. Just to, a, we can do that now, but just um, celebrating that with with Amber, but also our family and friends in November this year. So I think that's a that's a big one. Right, mm. that is it. We 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 can't wait to. So my address is 10 Kalana Boulevard. So feel free to send the uh, the, the invitations <laughs> to us. Uh, so. <laughs> feel free to send it through. Um, la- last question for you, Hugo. Um, would you rather be an elite athlete or a world pop star? Um, well, that's an interesting one because I think both can have their pros and cons, um, mm. depending where you are as the pop star world. Um, and who it's like, you know, if you're a, I don't know, singer hanging out with, I don't know, Ed Sheeran and Chris Martin or something like that, that'd be pretty cool. But I think, um, elite athlete, I'd have to say that, um, purely because I keep touching on it, but I'm just so excited about the crows this afternoon and watching footy at the moment. (laughs) But I think being an elite, but an elite athlete (laughs) AFL, because I think you're not big enough whereby I think you can still have a normal life. Cause I yeah. think often if you're like an NBA player or something or a, a huge pop star, 
you're just not going to have a normal life, unfortunately. No. Um, but I think if you're an elite athlete, say playing AFL for the Crows or Brisbane or something like that, I mm. still feel like you can um, have the best of both worlds. So maybe there you go. That's yeah. a that's an answer. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, I think that's it. Uh, I think that that's it for the rapid fire. I think that's, yeah. that kind of concludes the, the conversation. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, Hugo, thank you so much for, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed your time as much as we did. Um, but um, yeah, I think, Sonny, do you have anything else to add? No, I look forward to getting this out. Honestly, love, love you guys. Love the passion. Um, you're so, you work great together as well with the chemistry. Um, and I'm going to have to get myself one of those bottle up um, <laughs> oh, t-shirts yeah. you've got um, because I'll, ha- I'll happily rep that because I love I love the, what bottle up stands for um, as far as the, the you know, the, the meaning behind it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thanks again, guys, for the opportunity because I've uh, really enjoyed the chat this morning. Thanks, Hugo. Thank really you. Really appreciate that, man. Let, let us let us know if you wanted to ship ship to Adelaide or Sydney. We'll uh, we'll take both. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll make we'll make a trade. We'll give you the shirts. You give us an invitation to the wedding. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a fair trade. Look, really appreciate it, guys. I um, I, 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 do, I do have to run now, yeah. but um, we'll awesome. be in touch. We'll be in touch for sure. Yeah. Thanks Love again, it. legends. Thank you, legends. Cheers. Thanks, Hugo. Enjoy. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you're enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.